Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Last week, we started this series, Running with the Giants, and and we talked about Esther. And I, I really love digging into Esther. I love really, really learning about her life and, and, and really enjoyed preaching that. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about Daniel. And, and wow, what an incredible figure and character in the Bible. And so many of the things that, that he went through, Christianity really is facing in the culture that we're living in today. So I think it's going to be a, a big help to each and every one of us to kind of walk through the challenges. You know, I'm thankful that when we come into the church, we're, we come into a group of people that love us and that don't challenge us but encourage us. Encouragement is something that we need, amen? Whereas the world outside of this walls, they constantly challenge what we believe. I'm thankful that we can come into the church and we have a unity and we encourage one another. We build one another up. I don't want to be a part of a church that tears people down or tears each other down. I want to be a part of a church that is encouraging, building people up, and so we're going to talk about that with Daniel uh, next Sunday. Today, we're going to talk about Moses. So before I get into Moses, I want to just revisit what running with the giants is all about. Well, running with the giants is all about Hebrews chapter 12 and 1, where the writer says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, he says, therefore, because it connects to Hebrews chapter 11. And in Hebrews chapter 11, we see the giants of the faith. If you read through that chapter, you see person after person mentioned that we talk about still on a daily basis and about how their faith would see them through and how they overcame and, and just an amazing chapter. And so then Paul, uh, the writer, and I believe it's Paul, gets into Hebrews and he says, therefore... We also, seeing we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Amen. Now, as I've gone through my study for this particular series, one of the questions that I've had over and over again, I can't get used to wearing glasses. I'm sorry. I have to take them off, put them on, take them off, adjust them, so... Let's just leave them off so they won't be distracting, all right? So one of the things that I've just discovered about faith, reading through uh, Hebrews chapter 11, the simplicity uh, of faith is that faith is believing that God will keep his promises. That's, that's what faith is. Now, now, faith is believing that God will keep his promises no matter the circumstances, and that's what Hebrews chapter 11 is all about. These people that believed God, even though they were threatened, even though they were uh, outcast, even though they were persecuted, even though things didn't go their way, despite the circumstances, it seemed to be the to, to the contrary, I believe that God will keep his promises. Will anybody believe with me this morning that God will keep his promises? Amen. Anybody love the Lord here today? Let me just see your hand. 
Anybody full of the spirit of the Lord here today? Let me see your hand. Well, then let's stir up the gift that is within us for the next few minutes as we preach. And let's talk about how we trust in God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29 through 40. When we get towards the end of that chapter, this is what the writer says. All of these people earned a great reputation because of their faith. They, they, we know them today because they persevered. We know them today because they endured. We know their names because they continued to live for God during the difficult times. But, but even after he's talked about all the wonderful things they did, the writer ends up saying, yet none of them received all that God had promised. Now, does that mean that God was short on his promises? No, it means that the time of the fulfillment of the promises of God didn't take place in their lifetime. So they lived in a time when there were these promises of things that God was going to do, but their life ended before God fulfilled those promises. Listen to verse number 40, because this is about us. Everybody say, this is about me. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. Now, the simple uh, uh, description of what this passage of scripture means is that they did not live to see the birth and the ministry and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They they expected him, they, they had prophecies about him But before the time of of his coming, all of these passed from this life and entered into their rest. And, and, And really, when I read this passage of scripture, this is what I come up with. What an incredible privilege it is for us today to experience the presence of Jesus Christ. I'm I'm gonna tell you something right now. I I feel like I need to give you warning. I feel the preach in me today, and and I'm asking you to just kind of tune in a little bit here because this is more than just a get-together. We are actually able to experience the presence of the mighty God. We're able to experience the presence of the living Christ. And, and all of these people that went through these circumstances, yes, they are our heroes of faith. However, they never got to experience what we experience today, and that is being in the presence of Jesus Christ and feeling his touch in our life. Is anybody thankful that we can feel the touch of Jesus Christ today? My, my, my. So when I look at this passage of scripture, I kind of summarize it like this. Um, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 really tells me that, that faith, if I'm really going to run with the giants and live by faith, then faith is just being ready to sacrifice my comfort for now for my future reward with Jesus Christ. And that's really contrary to the culture of the world today that says if it feels good, do it, and you need to be happy and whatever it takes. But, but truly, faith says, I, I'm willing to, to, to sacrifice present comfort, uh, present desires, whatever it may be, so that I can have a future with Jesus Christ. If, if I'm really going to run with the giants, then faith means I live with a Godward focus and not a focus on the things of the people around me or the things that are around me. If I'm really gonna run with the giants, then faith trusts and obeys God, leaving the results to him. 
He is sovereign, isn't he? He is the mighty God. And I know that we get to the place where we think, oh man, whatever's happened here is, is so important when the truth of it is the United States of America only has about 6% of the world population and God loves everybody in the other countries just as much as he loves us Americans. And so I am going to trust the sovereignty of God and I'm going to obey him no matter what's going on around me. And then the last thing, just to kind of summarize this, if I'm going to run with the giants, if I'm going to live a life of faith, then I have to decide that walking with Jesus is more important than anything else. Walking with Jesus and having a relationship with him is more important than anything else, even my life. Even my life. And, and the Old Testament saints had the shadows of Jesus Christ. They had the, the prophecies, the, 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 the hints of his coming. They, they didn't have the revelation. They didn't have the understanding. But, but we today have the substance of Jesus Christ. We today have the substance. They had good things, amen. But I'm just telling you right now, in the church that we are a part of, we have better things. Now, I know that goes against our feelings. Better than Moses? Better than Esther? Better than Dent? Yes, we have better because we today can call upon the name of Jesus Christ, the name that is above every name, the name that is able. <clears throat> Amen. So, let's get back into our scripture now and jump to this man named Moses. By faith, Moses, I'm in Hebrews chapter 11 and 27, forsook Egypt. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now, now another thing that we need to say about faith is faith is mysterious. And the reason it's mysterious is because it allows us to see what is invisible, and how can we do that? Well, we see with our spiritual eyes. You remember when Paul was praying for the church, he talked about how he wanted them to be able to see with the eyes of their heart. He wanted them to see spiritually. He wanted them to have discernment. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 18 says it this way. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. We're not looking at the things that are seen. Everybody say, get your eyes off of the now. We, we don't look at the things that are seen. We look at the things that are not seen. We look at the power of God. We look at the way that God is working when we don't understand how he's working. We look at the things that are not of this world, but we look at the things of eternity. But the things which are not seen, but the things which are seen are temporary. Let me, let me just do a real quick uh, quiz here. How many of you have ever been in a moment in your life where you didn't know if you were going to be able to recover from it? Let me just see the hands of everybody. Come on, don't be shy because most of us have gone through those moments. And if you didn't raise your hands, I want to pray for you because you're going to go through moments like that. I'm not speaking in prophecy. I'm speaking in reality. Life is hard. There are difficult times that we go through, but that those things are temporary. How many of you are here today 
that went through one of those moments where you didn't think you were going to make it and, and you made it. <laughs> Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that the temporary didn't stop you from being in the walk with Jesus Christ and on the road to eternity? You see, this is what I think that Moses would say. One of the big things that he would say to us, if he was here today, when your problems overwhelm you, abandon safe and live by faith. Abandon safe and live by faith. And this is why I think Moses would say that. I just give you a brief summary of the man named Moses in the book of Exodus chapter two. He's born into Egypt about 412 years after Joseph had brought his family there. The children of Israel had multiplied. They were a great nation that was uh, basically in servitude to the uh, Egyptians. The Pharaoh that was now in charge 400 years later, he looked at this people that was living among his people. He was threatened by them. And he did everything that he could to keep them from leaving or keeping them to gain power. And one of the ways that he did that was he decided that he was going to kill all of the unborn, all of the baby boys as they were born, he was going to kill them. And so this is when Moses was born. And of course, the, the, the children of Israel that were living there, they, they valued life and and they didn't want their boys to be murdered. And so they came up with all of these things to help them avoid that. And the midwives, when they would hear about a woman giving birth, they would, they would uh, wait. And, 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 and it, it, it just, they, they were doing everything they could. And, and, and the Pharaoh was so angry that, that he did everything he could to destroy this people. And, and this is how Moses was born. And when Moses was born, the mother says, we've got to hide him. So they took him down to the river. They made this little basket, this little boat, this whatever he could float in. And, and, and they put him in the river so that he would be safe. The sister stayed there and watched him. And, and, and by the providence of God, Pharaoh's daughter goes down to the river for a swim, a bath, whatever she was doing there, sees the baby realizes that it's probably a Hebrew baby, but still says, I'm going to take this baby home with me, raise it as my own. The sister's there. She comes up. They make some type of arrangement where the mother could actually take care of the nursing baby, but he is now, by all our accounts, the son of the Pharaoh. That, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? I mean, he's gone from the river to the palace, and he's raised in Pharaoh's household, but he knew his heritage. He knew who he came from. He knew the history of his people because his mother, his sister continued to teach him that. And so he grew up with all of this knowledge of who he was, but also all of this knowledge and education that came from living in the household of Pharaoh. And, and one, one, when he was grown, he's out walking and, and he looks over and he sees an Egyptian. And I would imagine at this time, he was dressed like an Egyptian. He, he walked like an Egyptian, which probably would be a good song title if anybody wants to write that. Uh, and, and he just, he, he fit in, but something stirred up within him. And in this moment, he goes over and he gets the Egyptian and he kills him, hides him in the sand. A couple of days later, he's back out. He sees another argument, tries to separate it, and, and it's revealed 
oh, we know what you did. We know you killed that man. We know you hit him in the sand. Is that what you're going to do to us? And so this is what we, when we're introduced to Moses in Exodus chapter three, he is a murdering runaway, a murdering runaway. You, t- you talk about the lowest. Think, think about in our nation when somebody kills somebody and they're on the run, how it's on every news, it's, it's everywhere. Everybody's looking out for them and, and they're trying to catch them. And, and well, that's what, that's what Moses, and somehow he avoids capture, ends up living on the other side of the desert and, and just becomes a shepherd. Even though God had protected him, even though God had put him in Pharaoh's household, all of these things that had taken place, and here now we find that Moses is just on the backside of the desert, and there's no connection seemingly to the people that he has left behind and to the plan of God to deliver them. This is where I want you to understand something. It doesn't matter what your life looks like, it doesn't mean that God is not working. <laughs> it doesn't matter what's going on in your, in your life. That doesn't mean that God isn't working. That doesn't mean that God isn't involved. That doesn't mean that God's not doing something. That doesn't mean that God has got things in play that we can't see. And that's exactly what happened to Moses. Let's read the account there in Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to read 10 verses, so just follow on the screen, on your Bible, your iPad, whatever. Let's read this. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and beheld, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then, do you understand what that says there, don't you? It means that there was a big fire in the middle of this bush, but the leaves were not crumbling, they were staying green, they were staying healthy, and the fire was burning, but it was not consuming. It's obviously a supernatural event that is taking place. So he looked and he beheld, the bush was burning, Uh, with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight while the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near to this place. Take the sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father. I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. Powerful words there. He's tying Moses back to his heritage, back to his calling, back to a people that have been proclaimed to be blessed and have plans that God has for them. And Moses, I know that you've spent 40 years on the backside of the desert, but you are still a part of this. And the God that is talking to you is the God that your mother and your father taught you about. Look at Moses' response. He hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. 
Now, I just believe this ties into something that was probably gnawing at the heart of Moses. I mean, it stirred him up so much on that particular day that he actually took the life of of another person. He actually killed somebody because he couldn't stand the plight that his family and his friends and, and his people were going through. And God ties right back into that. I know this is in you, Moses. I know this is something that you have felt before. And guess what? I, am, I have seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their cry because of the taskmasters, for I know their sorrow. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land that flows with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pezrites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come now, therefore, I will send you. <laughs> now, Personal thoughts here. I think Moses is like, yes, finally. Oh, man, finally, God's going to move. Finally, he's going to get my people out of there. Finally, we're going to have some victory. And then God says, and I'm going to send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. I think that's where Moses, uh, like, what, me? And of course, he made a lot of excuses. He came up with all kinds of reasons why that couldn't happen. He tried to talk God out of it. He tried to say, this won't work. And that's when he was playing it safe. But I believe if we could go back today, one of the things that Moses would say is abandon safe. Everybody say abandon safe and live by faith. So just a few things before I get into the meat of my sermon. I know, Pastor, you've been preaching 10 minutes. Uh, Pastor, you've been preaching 15 minutes. But it's just about to get good. And so a few things that I see is that God was working and Moses was a part of the plan, even though he didn't realize he was part of the plan. Everybody say, me. You are part of the plan, even if you don't realize you're part of the plan. And you may have a big part of the plan or you may have a little part of the plan, but you are a part of the plan. And God is working and you are part of the plan. The second thing I see here is don't let your excuses get in the way of God's miraculous work. Don't let your excuses get in the way of God doing something supernatural, God doing something mighty. And then the last thing, giants, if we're going to walk with faith, run with giants, We must take risk. We must take risk. Three things that play in it safe. Remember, we're abandoned safe, but if we we live safely, this is what it will keep in our life. Safe will keep you trapped in the past. Trapped in the past. When I look at Moses, here's what I see. I see a man that's chained to his past. He's chained to the fact that that he failed, that he murdered someone, that he's now just a, a really a nomad. Now he's just someone that nobody knows his name, where at one time he was a valuable part of the Pharaoh's household and, 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 and part of a place there by God. 
And that this is what I think. I think a lot of people are chained. I, I know that he had somewhat a sense of freedom because he was going where he wanted to go. He, he was tending sheep. He had this ability to go here and go there. And, and I think a lot of times we settle for a little bit of freedom when God wants to give us complete freedom. Listen, I'm thankful that he was able to do the work that he was doing, but it was beneath what God had for him. And I believe that a lot of people today, Friendswood, Houston, online, I believe that a lot of people are living below what God has for them because they're trapped by their past. They're trapped by their failures. They're trapped by the things that happen in their life. They're trapped by the things that they didn't accomplish. And I'm here today to say we need freedom. We need freedom from our past. We need freedom to walk into the things that God has for you today and that God wants to accomplish in your family, that God wants to accomplish in your marriage, that God wants to accomplish in your children, that God wants to accomplish on your job, that God wants to accomplish in your career, that God wants to accomplish. We're living trapped because we're chained by things that have happened in our past. We have something at Life Church called freedom. It's our freedom small groups. I'd like for everybody that has either taught a freedom group or gone through a freedom small group or a freedom conference, I want you to stand right now. I want you to see everybody that's gone through this. And, and I just want to tell everybody else that is in this room that if you haven't gone through the freedom small group, you need to go through it next semester. I, I'm believing, and, and as a matter of fact, I prayed about it this morning, I believe that in our small groups this semester, we're going to have 75 people, new people, sign up for the Freedom Conferences. How many of you will believe that with me? And many of you that are sitting here, you need to go through that curriculum and address those things that are in your past and have that freedom. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Isaiah chapter 43, 16 through 19 reads like this, and I'm reading from the message. This is what God says, amen. The God who builds a road right through the ocean. I, I know, I know you thought that some clever songwriter came up with that. No, the word of God had it a long time ago. A God who, who builds a road right through the ocean, who carves a path through the pounding waves, the God who summons horses and chariots and armies, they lie down and they can't get up. They're snuffed out like so many candles. Forget what's happening. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert, be present. This is God speaking. He says, I'm about to do something brand new. I, I tell you, that. 12% response just is overwhelming. I don't know what it was like in Friendswood, but, but I, I'm just going to say it again because I, I know your, your brain's trying to catch up with the summer. It's hot outside. You're thinking about a shaved ice with, with a, a pina colada and, and, and cream flavoring, not, not pina colada with an umbrella in it. I just stepped in it right there. Forget what I said about pina coladas. Forget what's happening. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert, be present. I'm about to do something brand new. Amen. 
It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert. Rivers in the badlands. Wild animals will say thank you. The coyotes and the buzzards because I provide water in the desert. Rivers through a sun-baked earth. Drinking water for the people I choose. The people I made especially for myself. A people custom made to praise me. God's doing something new. God's doing something new. Will you just... Be brave enough this morning in Friendswood to turn to somebody and say, I believe that God's doing something new for me. Will you be brave enough here in Houston to turn to somebody and say, I believe that God is doing something new. I'm not going to be trapped by my past. I'm not going to be trapped by my failures of yesterday. I'm not going to be trapped by the things that didn't go right. I'm not going to be trapped by circumstances that I found myself in. I am believing God. I'm not going to live safe. This is another thing that safe will do. Safe will keep you satisfied with today. Satisfied. This is what happens with satisfaction. Complacency. Satisfaction brings a settling. Well, this is just what my life is. This is just how it is. And and this is just the circumstances that I have to live with. And and, and this is just the the life that I'm destined to live. And and, and because we're playing it safe, we become satisfied with today. And, And look, Moses did not play it safe. He was living in Pharaoh's household. That had to be a pretty sweet life. Just, just for that day and time, that had to be a pretty sweet life. I, I would imagine that Moses grow up, grew up eating all of the, the, the best food. W- wouldn't you say that? How many would agree with me that he had the best food? I, I would say that Moses probably had the, the finest clothes in all of the kingdom. I, I would say that Moses grew up having all of the luxuries, whatever luxuries there were in that day, he had them. He was in the seat of power. He was living a sweet life. And yet that wasn't God's plan for him. And I'm so thankful that there was something in him that led to a holy discontentment where he says, I can't live like this. And we see it in Exodus chapter 2 and 11. Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brethren and looked looked at their burdens and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. And, and you know what happened? Something stirred inside of him. I, I don't know, and, and the Bible is not go, it doesn't go into great detail of his young life, but, but this may have been the moment. This may have been the moment where he had been living with this understanding that I am a, a, a Jewish person. I'm a child of Abraham. I am a child of, of Isaac. I'm a, I'm a child of Jacob. But, but I'm also enjoying the luxuries of Pharaoh's household. I'm a child of the Pharaoh. I, I, there had to be a, some intense conflict in his mind over this. And somehow, in the moment where he sees this injustice going on, something is stirred up within him and his response is wrong. I'm not condoning violence, but the, the something stirred in him that moved him beyond satisfaction. Everybody say beyond satisfaction, beyond satisfaction. And and as I was studying this, this week, this is what I decided. I decided, God, we need a stirring. God, God, we need a stirring. 
Uh, We need something to stir us. We need something to move us beyond our satisfaction. We need something to bring a holy discontentment in our life where we say there has to be something better that God has for me. There has to be a part of the plan that I haven't seen yet, and I want to find what God has for my life. So safe will keep you trapped in the past. Safe will keep you satisfied with today and safe will keep you afraid of tomorrow. Now, now this is something that the enemy knows. If he can keep us trapped in the past, he's fine with that. If he can keep us satisfied for today, he's fine with that. But if there's something that happens that causes us to become stirred and start thinking about our tomorrow and what we can do for God, then his plan is to bring fear of tomorrow. I mean, Moses is standing there at the burning bush saying, "Uh, me, you're going to send me? God, I've already tried that. I've already already went down that road. I I killed somebody. This is not me. I've already tried to set my people free once. It didn't work out. Find somebody else. I'm afraid to go there. I can't talk. I, I can't. I, I'm. I, I can't communicate well. I have this this speech issue. I, I, I send somebody else. How about my brother? I mean, there's so many excuses. L- listen to what he says here in verse number 13 of Exodus chapter four. But he said, "Oh Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send." I mean, he talked about his brother, but now he's down just to whoever. God, just send somebody else. (laughs) I'm just too afraid to even try it. And this is what I've got to say about tomorrow. Listen to me. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know the person who holds tomorrow. (laughs) I'm not sure of the circumstances, but I know the master of every circumstance and I know the person that will meet me there. His name is Jesus Christ and he will see me through. I want to enclose with these words of encouragement from Moses. From Moses. And, and again, we're, we're thinking about what he would say to us. And, and this is one of the things that I think he would say. I think he would say to live by faith... How many of you want to live by faith? Let me see the hands of everybody that wants to live by faith. To live by faith, we have to recognize that God is already at work in our life. I'm going to say that again. To live by faith, we have to recognize that God is already at work in our life. I mean, we see Moses and he's just been somebody that's been on the backside of the desert, but we know the backstory. We know that God has been working. We know that God provided him a place. And, And this is what I love. The writer of Hebrews says it like this, by faith, Moses, when he was born, I've already read it once, I want to read it again. He was hidden three months by his parents because they saw that he was a Beautiful child. In the original language, it, it isn't just, man, he's a beautiful child. Because every parent everywhere has ever said that. Even when their child is ugly, we say, isn't that beautiful? Not, not that I've ever seen an ugly child, but I've heard tell of ugly children. 
That's not what the parents are saying here. Oh, look how beautiful he is. Let's hide him. No, they're saying he's got a purpose. God's got his hand on him. And they were not afraid of the king's command. And this is why we can live by faith. We can live by faith because God is with you. And and reading on there, this is what God says back to him. I will certainly be with you, verse 12. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will serve God on this mountain. Uh, Moses, I'm going to take you full circle. You see where you're standing here, Mount Horeb, the mountain of God? You're going to go. You're going to get them. You're going to come back. You're going to serve me here. That's a promise that God made him that was fulfilled. And this is what happens when we live by faith. We live by faith knowing God is going to go with us. And God has already written the end of our story and knows the end of our story. And that's why he's going to walk with us through all of the situations that we face in our life. Let me, let me say it like this. God knows why you're here today. And, and let me just say it like this. God didn't meet you here today. God was already here. God was already in this day, in your future, knowing that you were going to be here. Friends, when you're not there by accident, God knew that you are going to be there. Today means something to God because you're here. God planned something for this moment. God planned for you to be here. And I think we've got to get out of that way of thinking as, oh, I'm just praying that God will meet me there. No, God's already there. God was already at the bush when Moses started making his journey. God is already here waiting on your response for what he has for you today. Somebody believe in faith that God has something for you today. Amen. Somebody believe that God brought you to the place. And you know what? Today needs to mean something to you. There are people in this room the people in Friendswood, that today's the day you need to make a commitment. I'm going to live for God no matter what happens. I'm going to live for God no matter what comes my way. Today is the day that I'm going to start my life over and I'm going to start living by faith. I saw somebody in the lobby this morning and they said, yes, I've turned my life around. I love that. Somebody in this room, somebody in Friendswood, somebody online Today is not an accident. It's not just some bush that is burning. I'll just step aside. It's God waiting on you to make that decision. Somebody today in the Houston campus needs to be baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Somebody today needs to say, God's been waiting for me here. God's been waiting for me to turn my life around. This this is another thing that I think Moses would say. To live by faith, we have to refuse to be defined by anything or anybody but God. To live by faith, we have to refuse to be defined by anything or anybody other than God. God's the one who says who I am. God's the one. Listen to uh, this passage of scripture. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I, I am, that's not who I am. 
I'm thankful that I was saved. I'm thankful for where God placed me, but I am not Pharaoh's daughter. I am a a child of God, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures, the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproaches of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Oh my goodness. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Listen, if I'm going to run with giants, I have to throw off the labels that I've put on myself and I have to throw off the labels that others have put on me. I have to say to myself, that's not going to define me. That's not who I am. I've got news for you. I don't care if your mother and father were drug addicts. You are not a drug addict. I don't care if your mother and father lost their marriage. That's not your marriage. I've got news for you. Just because you had an uncle that was an alcoholic does not mean that you're an alcoholic. Quit putting those labels on yourself. Quit saying my life is meaningless. Quit saying that I don't have any purpose in life. That's something that the world wants to slap on you. That's something that the enemy wants to slap on you. That's something that we slap on ourselves sometime. I'm telling you today that damaging self-talk lets those labels stay on you. So quit saying it. Quit saying it that you're stupid. Quit saying it that you can't do it. Quit saying it that you're not worthy. Quit saying it that you're an alcoholic. Quit saying it, well, this has been in my family for generations. I guess this is how my life is going to be. Instead, start putting the label on you that God has for you. I am a child of God. Somebody say it with me. I am a child of God. I want you to say it with me. Friendswood, Houston, say it with me. I am a child of God. I'm going to see myself how God sees me. I'm going to define myself how God defines me. If I'm going to run with the giants, and if I'm going to take risk, and if I'm going to abandon safe and live by faith, I've got to see myself as someone whose God God has placed his hand on me, and I'm going to walk into the promises that he has made for me. Has God made any promises for anybody in this room? Let me just see your hand. Stand with me here. Stand with me in Friendswood and let me finish this message with this last point. If I'm going to run with the giants and I'm going to listen to what Moses would say to me, I think this is one of the things that he would say. He would say, living by faith is not just about yourself, but when you live by faith, you impact others around you. You impact others around you. I I give all glory to God. Let me tell you, I give all glory to God. I'm not taking any credit for this. But when my son was far from God, Pastor Bo, when he was far from God, I lived the life that God called me to live. I, I continue to do the things that God called me to do. I continue to love him like the Lord told me to love him. I didn't condemn him. I didn't throw him off. I didn't disinherit him, disown him. I I saw the story in Luke chapter 15 and I said, I'm going to be like the father that stands by the gate waiting. And I'm just going to tell you right now, 
if I have no other impact in my life, the impact that I had on my one son to come back to God is enough for me to say, I'm going to live by faith. And, and, and there's some, there are some parents in this room and in that room that, that you may have one calling in your life and that calling is to be faithful so your son or your daughter or your brothers or your sisters or your mothers or your father, whatever it is, so that they will come to Jesus Christ. That's where we have to live by faith because our faith does have an impact on people around us. Our faith has an impact and I want my faith to have an impact. I want my faith to influence other people. I don't do it just so that I can be influential. I do it because I trust him. But as I walk faithfully, my life will impact people around me. Listen to this story, and, and this is it. Last scripture, Hebrews 11, 28, 29. By faith, he kept the Passover, the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. I, I love the story. Moses is standing on the shore of the Red Sea. The children of Israel are here. And then God has a cloud that has hid them from the Egyptians. But that doesn't mean they don't hear the Egyptians. They know that they're there. And the children of Israel are now in this state of panic. What is going to happen? We're going to die here. And Moses takes a step of faith and he lifts that rod that he has and the Red Sea parts and the children of Israel walk over on dry ground. He saved a nation with one moment of faith. And I want to speak a word to everybody that's in this room. Young to old, I, I wish everybody would give me your undivided attention for the next two minutes because I want you to hear this. Something that you have been called to do will change eternity for someone else. I, I, I want you to hear this. I'm not trying to preach doom on you. I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you. I'm not trying to overwhelm you. I'm just telling you like it is. Something that God has called you to do will have an impact on someone else's eternity. That's just the way it is. God works generationally. He works through me to bless the next generation. He works through you to bless the next generation. Some of us, God's called to impact more than just our family. But some of us, and it's a noble calling, God has called you to change the course of your family history. Something that God has called you to do will change the eternity of someone else. And this is what I pray in my closing prayer today. I pray that everybody in this room will part the waters for someone else. 
I pray that everybody in Friendswood will stand on the shore when there's confusion all around and you'll live by faith and you'll run with the giants and you'll part the water so that people can go through with you to the, over the dry land to the place that God has promised. And I pray that each one of us would say, God, whatever you have for my life, that's what I want. Prayer team, if you'll come here at Houston and at Friendswood and Pastor Tito, I'm going to kind of close it out today. I'll, I'll message you when I want you to take it, but I, I want the prayer team to come and stand here. And I, I, while they're coming, I just want to pray for you. Lord, I just pray right now for everyone that is here in the Houston campus, everybody that is in the Friendswood campus. I pray that, first of all, we would just have a great desire to, to run with the giants, not, not because of them, but because our faith has called us to live for you with all of our heart, Lord. I pray that someone in this place would, would have their faith stirred up, that they would not be trapped by the past or satisfied by today or be fearful of tomorrow, but instead, dear Lord, there would just be a desire in their heart to say, whatever you want from me, oh God, Regardless of the circumstances that are around me, I will live the way that you have called me to live. I will live by faith. I, I, I'll take the risk. I, I'll abandon safe and walk in faith, God, because that's what you have called me to do, Lord. I, I just pray that for each person right now. And Lord, just as Moses had that feeling of his calling and really didn't know what to do with it or how to handle it. I know that I'm talking to a room full of people here and in Friendswood that we felt that, God. We, we felt your hand in our life. We felt those moments that you've met us and we may not understand, we may not know what the next step is. We may not know what you want for our life, but I pray that each one of us would take that calling and know that you've put that calling on our life so that we could be a blessing to others, that we could help others, so that we could pull some out of the fires of hell and help them walk with you, Lord. I pray that everybody in this place, everybody in Friendswood would say, I will live the life and I will walk in the calling that you have placed upon me, God, so that your will will be done. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name.